Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource to remind you how much we hate North Dakota, even though they're pretty much in the cellar of the NCHC, which is kind of a, a rare sight to see, uh, but a welcoming one uh, for yes. sure. <laughs> so I'm Weldy, sitting here with Andrew. Uh, no game to recap. We had our uh, Thanksgiving off uh, from watching hockey. Um, well, at least watching Husky hockey. That's uh, right. We were able to catch some of the other games that uh, we'll talk to on the back half of the show. Um, but, you know, obviously... St. Cloud State, we're going to go uh, forward uh, first with their preview uh, versus uh, for uh, North Dakota. I, you know, first and foremost, with Thanksgiving uh, out of the way, uh, how, was, uh, how was your Thanksgiving? How did everything go? It was good. Can't complain. Uh, how, how about you? I, I didn't do the turkey. You know, I was just here for, for the holiday. But uh, so turkey-free, but that's that's not necessarily bad. Maybe I'll, I'm just waiting kind of for Actually the, better i mean turkey is turkey's an overrated meat i mean let's just i was watching uh one of my youtube uh subscribe channels that i watch uh they they explain turkey as the tofu of meat uh whereas it's not not good on its own and you always have to add everything to it to make it at least palatable and i think that's uh pretty apt because it's you got to pair it with something or you got to douse it in something or you got to, I mean, that's, that's why Thanksgiving exists is because to make Turkey edible, in my opinion, yeah, all not, the sides around it. Yeah. I'm not going to argue too much with that actually. Yeah. I do like the tradition of it, but uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I, I was just eating for myself, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a 20 pound Turkey. Seven, seven course meal right yeah. there. No, call no the thanks. butterball hotline. Now I'm kind of waiting for like the uh, all the stuff to go on sale. Maybe I can. There you go. Maybe I can buy a turkey for dirt cheap and then mm-hmm. freeze it and just have it sometime in January or something. But yeah, I yeah. Uh, that was we had, that was we had short I guess lips, I missed my pecan so. pie though. Like I, I I do like that or the pumpkin pie, but uh, the pies. You know, I miss the pies. You're a pecan. Are you a pecan or a pecan guy? I think we went over this uh, previously. <laughs> that's, that's I can right, do both. Right. I can do both. We're I, already I think, I, I think I'm in the point of my life where I'm going <laughs> pecan more. Um, but uh, either way you say it, it's a tasty treat. Uh, so how about you? Uh, how was the, uh, well, you, you've already spoiled it. You didn't even have turkey. Yeah. Uh, how was no the turkey. non-turkey we had short ribs. Turkey day? Short, how was short oh, ribs day? It was it was delicious, and also my my sister uh, kind of made the whole spread and the concoction and whatnot. And uh, I don't know how she did it, but she made beets edible. Like it was whatever she added and cooked with the beets and whatnot. It was delicious, and I I am not a beet person. Can't beat that. I got what you did there. I'll add in a rim shot there. Do that, yeah. That's hopefully we, we need to add more to our button bar other than the uh, nine times. Nine. That's, that's our nine only. Times. That's our only button bar that we have right now. We're still I, working I pro- like, progress. I've, I've got like two other ones. You got them. I, I think, think you got a done, done, done. I think you got one of those. Yep. Just yep, exactly. do them well, all right now. We talk so about the twenty-five-year-old. 
the 25 year old senior is when we that's right we break out the dun 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 so um uh so uh north dakota who has been struggling this season and is a welcoming sight uh for for me sitting right now seventh in the uh in the conference six games played um only one uh, that is ahead uh or the only team that's ahead behind north dakota is miami uh who is sitting at four points with eight games played north dakota has seven points with six games played uh st cloud sitting in third right now with 11 points also six games played uh you know we kind of run up or run f we, we kind of end up the uh, regular season or the first half of the season with Miami again and, you know, following this North Dakota squad. So, um, you know, I'm looking at these next four games as, you know, we get three out of four. I'm going to be really happy. Um, and maybe that's still setting the bar a little bit too high, but Miami's a team we can't drop points to. I mean, let's just face it. And I think, North Dakota, we have to strike them while they're struggling. And this is a team right now that is struggling. Yeah, I know. I think three out of four is, is a perfectly fine bar. I mean, as you said, seeing how North Dakota has started this year, just a split at home against them might be a bit of a disappointment. You never want to go into a North Dakota weekend, you know, expecting a sweep. But it's definitely doable the way that St. Cloud's been playing and the way that North Dakota has has been playing. Uh, no reason that St. Cloud can't sweep here, and they should sweep against Miami the following weekend. I mean, that, sh- that should be a six-point weekend. I mean, that, that's the bar that we should set for them, let's say. So, yeah, three out of four would be, I, I, think, I think, the par for the course. And if you really want to impress me going into the Christmas break, you take all four. But that's not to say that it's going to be easy, obviously. And and as I mentioned last week, this series between these two teams, especially playing in St. Cloud, you know, they were the designated rival for St. Cloud in the WCHA for the last, what, 10 years or so. So, I mean, they played them two series, you know, a series in St. Cloud and a series in North Dakota every year. That's been the case in the NCHC except for a couple of years where they've only played one series. So lots of history between these two teams and how it's been going. And like I said, those last 20 years, let's say it's been basically a guaranteed split in St. Cloud. Um, I think there was a North Dakota sweep during one of those, like maybe five years ago. I remember being at that uh, series and it was not, not fun. And then there's been, I think, I don't know if St. Cloud has swept them, there, I know they've taken a majority of points, like a win and a tie, uh, in in recent years. But it's been a tall task, and obviously the history doesn't really matter for this weekend as far as what the results will be. But just based on how these teams generally match up, um, you know, it's not it's not North Dakota's biggest rival. It's not Minnesota. I don't think it's St. Cloud's biggest rival. So, but I think there is a, a bit of a you know, quasi rivalry between these two teams. Like I said, the history that they have and the amount of times that they played over the last few decades. So I do think both teams are going to be pretty jazzed to play this uh, series as they normally are. Um, I'm sure there's. It's gonna be my a- most hated team. It's my most hated rival. Oh so, sure. I mean, if that counts for anything. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to think, like, in the WCHA days, I think you he, he probably would point to the Gophers as being probably the bigger rivalry. And I even think now in the NCHC, I think the rivalry with Duluth has, be, because you're now the, the designated rival of them, uh, playing them guaranteed four games a year, and the way and how well both St. Cloud and, and Duluth have, have performed, uh, since the NCHC started, I almost think that they might have overtaken St. Cla- or uh, North Dakota as, as a rival. Um, it's cer- certainly debatable, and uh, especially when they play in St. Cloud, the amount of uh, North Dakota fans that travel down for the games is way too many for my taste. Um, oh yeah, and that makes it a uh, let's let's call it a festive atmosphere, uh, and so that adds some atmosphere and some some juice uh, to the building. Um, so. Yeah, it's uh, it's never fun playing them, uh, and it used to some some years it wasn't very fun being in the stands for those games, um, but uh, should be a good matchup. Like I said, I don't think you, you, you can't take this team lightly. You know they've they've not been all that impressive, especially in goaltending. Um, you know, mm-hmm. bringing Drew DeRitter over from Michigan State, a goalie that I sort of had interest in from St. Cloud's perspective, thinking that that would have been a good fit for the Huskies to bring in, put up some good numbers on some bad Michigan state teams in his time there. Um, but similar to them bringing in Zach Driscoll last year, who was kind of a hot prospect transferring from Bemidji state where, you know, took them to a tournament, uh, and had a couple of really good years there. Driscoll pretty up and down, year for him last year St. Cloud chased them in that in that first game in St. Cloud the, the route uh that that the Huskies put on him last year and that kind of broke Driscoll for a bit he was able to recover towards the end of the year and regain the starting job but uh similar to Driscoll's trajectory DeRitter has not been all that impressive either and this Helston who is their backup that saw some action for Driscoll last year and I think his first action was in that that Friday St. Cloud game and he I believe he got the game on Saturday then the, the one that, that North Dakota won um he's been getting some more playing time they've basically been splitting time I mean eight games for Dritter or uh, nine for Dritter eight for Helston um but check out these save percentages 891 for Dritter 869 for Helston uh starts starting with an eight there uh and so neither of those goaltenders have really been able to steal any wins for them and uh that's i think a a big thing to to circle for st cloud and you know they they came in with some some hyped forwards i think jackson blake and dylan james being the two biggest names there um james in particular just ate up the uh, ushl last year you know, Blake's off to a decent start, 17 points. Um, and James is nine points in 13 games. Nothing to sneeze at there either. I think that their scoring will eventually come. You know, you got Gaber at the top, getting a, a solid year out of Jandrick at the point. You know, a guy that just had 15 points from last year, and he's already got 16 this year. Um, and seeing a lot more power play time, I think that's attributable for his point uh, increase this year. Um, yeah, and we're familiar with guys like Sendin and Hain and Schmaltz, Jammernick. Um, these are all sort of serviceable players uh, when they're playing well, but uh, no one's really kind of stepped up to the extent of 
being able to carry this offense. So um, you, you still have plenty of weapons, and Saquon needs to be attuned and ready to, to play, uh, to defend those skaters that I've just mentioned. But from a puck possession standpoint and from a offensive push standpoint, I do think that things match up fairly well for St. Cloud this weekend, especially considering uh, the advantage they'll have in net, just looking at the stats. Um, so, yeah, I, I looking, I'm optimistic for the Huskies this weekend. Um, and I think like that split is, is kind of what I expect, but from the perspective of you have a chance here to really jump on a team that is sort of primed to be jumped. Um, I, I'd love to see a killer instinct type weekend here for the Huskies. And for me, it's like that you get the week off, you know, uh, North Dakota did play this last weekend against uh, Bemidji tying in, on Friday in Bemidji and then winning at home on Saturday. And so you have the rest or rust kind of question for St. Cloud with, with the weekend off and, and North Dakota coming at this regular schedule coming off a weekend where they played, is that going to be a factor? And Um, that tie um, on Friday, that was, you know, Bemidji had the lead in that one in the third period, three to one. I thought that was the second period. I thought they had a two nothing lead going in the second. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, uh, Second period. Yeah, but I mean, they were coming back from a two goal deficit and, and, you know, getting a tie in Bemidji, which is something that St. Claude couldn't, can't say this year. Um, So, uh, but so the, 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 the week off, I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays a factor and the factor of how I mentioned earlier in earlier podcasts about how, especially on Friday nights, St. Cloud can tend to get off to some slower starts against a new opponent. We saw that with Mankato. We saw that in the Bemidji series. Uh, we saw that in the Western series. Uh, tending to take maybe 10 minutes to try to f- feel a team out. I, I would prefer them to sort of have them, have the Huskies dictate the play from the puck drop, not, not, the, uh, not their opponent. I hope that yeah. that doesn't um, that I hope that's not their mindset here because it was remember last year in that series in St. Cloud, you know, both games, they scored in the first 30 seconds, I believe. Um, and that Friday game, three goals, I think in the first 10 minutes to chase Driscoll. That's the kind, I mean, I'm not expecting them to win eight to one like they did last year, but I would hope to see a, a fast start from St. Cloud. I, I don't know if I'm gonna if I should expect that though, especially considering this week off. I don't know if that's gonna play any effect here. So just that's what I'm gonna be especially looking for on Friday is just how the team comes out because I think if they come out dictating the play, not being on their heels, um, maybe scoring an early goal, that's gonna set the tone I think for the whole weekend. If it's if it's that other approach of passively letting the other team sort of set up shop. Uh, I'm not saying that that's going to spell a sweep for North Dakota, but just from my St. Cloud fans perspective, uh, it's not how I want to come out to play uh, any opponent, and especially sort of a, a rival like, uh, uh, like the fighting Hawks are. So it should be an interesting weekend. It always is with these, with these efforts. Um, and uh, I'm hoping for good things. What, what's, what's your sort of scouting report? What are, what are you looking for uh, this weekend? 
Well, when you're talking about, you know, also that extra rest, you know, I I don't know where we're at with Meyer. Um, so whether he comes back and I mean, I hate to say this, but where he fits in. I mean, we're saying that about, you know, someone who's, uh, you know, uh, the, the captain, like who's going to sit there on the defense. I mean, we're probably what sitting Zemer, I would guess, uh, but it's, you know, a little bit unfortunate there um, because of how well he's playing. You know, someone obviously in that defense is going to have to sit if Meyer does play chase brand. Um, you know, he's had those up, upper body slash probable head concussion issues. Um, and you know, whether or not he comes back, you know, or we're just going to be extra cautious of them. So, uh, but you're completely right when you say you want them to jump out and really take command. Um, and that's what I'm a little bit worried about is that you're going to see a team, you know, maybe St. Cloud's going to come in well-rested and North Dakota is going to come in and really have that fire, you know, having a little bit of a, a, a tougher time with and against Bemidji state in, in the terms of injuries. And, you know, there was um, uh, Ethan Frisch who left the game in the middle of the second period on Friday's game was out on Saturday. So I don't know if he's going to be able to play. Um, uh, Kel, uh, Kel, Kelvin was um, a little bit injured, a little bit banged up. So it's, you know, there, there's been a little bit of those, you know, North Dakota kind of has been taking some bunts and bruises, which is why I want North or why I want St. Cloud to really be the aggressor and, and come out swinging. But if we come out and we have, you know, allow 10 shots in the first 10 minutes and only having two on our end, that that's not that's, that that that's going to spell trouble, I think, on Friday for St. Cloud. And that's where, you know, we're able to kind of settle it down and, you know, really take care of business there on uh, on Saturday. So it's. A little bit, you know, when you were talking about how Drew DeRitter, how, he, you know, I think he was the, you know, leading goaltender in total saves um, coming into this season. So coming into the season, he was supposed to be kind of that answer for, okay, we got an established goalie. And like you said, with the pedestrian 891 there in the save percentage, you know, North Dakota is a team that they don't allow a lot of shots. And you know, just looking at the uh, save percentages from the from the goaltenders, uh, you know, coincide that with the goals against. You know, both of their goals against average that we're going up against is still both under three. So, you know, they're not seeing a lot of rubber, but when they do, you know, that's why you know we have to be engaged. We have to engage our defense, really jump up, jump up into the play. We're not a team that scores off the rush very often. We're a really ground and pound puck control game, which is going to be kind of a new way for North Dakota to play against St. Cloud. Um, and I think that's going to be a little bit of a, uh, a fun contrast um, to the type of games that we normally play against each other. So, um, you know, my biggest thing is, uh, you know, stay out of the penalty box. North Dakota yeah. has the, the, uh, power play here sitting at about 28%, 28.4%. You know, our, our penalty kills at 86%, which is really surprising to me because I felt like I've been more frustrated with the penalty kill, but you know, I guess uh, the numbers don't lie when it comes to that. At St. Cloud State, second in the nation in goals against 
And that's where our depth and our defense and our puck possession and our control and not getting rattled when um, North Dakota does kind of enter that buzzsaw. Because I feel like anytime we play against North Dakota, there'll be a stretch. Maybe it's once a period, um, but they'll be firing on all cylinders for about three minutes. St. Cloud so far this year, in the most part, has been able to kind of counteract that and kind of gain control and then eventually put momentum back the other way. But if North Dakota is able to kind of get buzzing, it's it it it, it might be a little bit long of a long of a of a night there for for our, for our back end and our goaltending. Um, but I have faith that we're going to go ahead and and uh, take care of business this weekend. And you know, hopefully that this team is just geared up for it right off the hop, and we'll find that out fair really early, um, right when the puck drops on Friday. Yeah, good call on uh, on the special teams being a, a big factor. As you mentioned, North Dakota, um, third in the nation right now with that 28.4 uh, power play percentage. Also top 10 in penalty kill. Same number, 86% as St. Cloud. They're tied there at ninth or, uh, in penalty kill in the country. They're also... North Dakota's not been a good third place. They're a third period team this year. Um, the stat that I read was that they're six, six, and three right now. And that so those nine, nine, those nine, nine, nine uh, times? Uh, not the nine non wins. Nine times. I think seven of those they had third period leads. Um, so you know, coughing up leads late has really cost this team. And that should also illustrate that this probably is a better team than what six, six and three would lead you to believe. Um, They just have trouble closing the deal. And so again, this isn't, you know, this is in your typical seventh place NCHC team. Um, Been a little bit snake bitten, been a little bit choky uh, late in the game. Hopefully St. Cloud won't And need. they haven't had timely goaltending as well. Right, right. And and what has St. Cloud had? We've had timely goaltending. We've been able to close out games. Um, so it, it's kind of a mere reflection um, of, of kind of what we're seeing with these two teams. Yep, and yeah, the past performance doesn't uh, predict what the future results will be. So you can really throw, throw that out the window if you'd like. Um, is that doesn't really matter for these two games. It's just it gives us a an idea of what to expect and and yeah, you know, like I said, let's hope that St. Cloud doesn't need to pull out a third period comeback, but just if they are down by a goal going in the third period, do not despair because North Dakota has been in that situation plenty of times this year and, and have not not done well uh closing the deal and and St. Cloud uh Maybe can take advantage of that, but maybe they can just jump on them right, right, right early and and uh, and boat race them. Uh, that that eight to one game last year, that one was a fun game. Uh, <laughs> the Saturday game was not as fun, um, but uh, yeah, that was the Cranola uh, 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 lacrosse style goal. Uh, that sort of uh, highlight reeler. So. Good memories from that one. Um, maybe they can channel some of that and uh, and and bring that to to the to the table this weekend. Be uh, be uh, love to see it. 
And as as much as I love to bring up that eight to one victory that we had later on that season when we went up to North Dakota, right. we lost seven to one. So That's they right. they returned the favor uh, very quickly when it comes to that. Yeah, and they they got to brag about how it, it was the business suits on that Saturday. It was a it was a business suits night, so we got to feed into that myth, which uh, not not a huge fan of of that, but. Uh, so maybe they can, uh, you know, show them where they can put those business suits uh, this this Saturday. Um, that'd be nice. Uh, mm-hmm. Take that. So, so yeah, uh, should be a good weekend of hockey, and let's let's hope. Let's just hope. Let's let's. The split, I think, is the the sensible prediction, but let's let's go for four or more points. You know, let's, let's more. take take one to overtime, and then. Win a, win a regulation game. Uh, that's what, that, that that would make me happy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, just going through kind of the big two goals. Like you, you talked about freshman Jackson Blake and how well he's having uh, of a, of a season. Eight goals on the year so far. Four of them have come on the power play. Um, even though it is a flawed stat, he has minus four. Um, you know, overall. So he is, um, you know, still a freshman, still learning all aspects of the game. But, I mean, he's shooting at a 25% uh, shot percentage rate. So he's he's able to bury it when he has those chances. Um, but, you know, I, I really hope that this game doesn't get into a hooking, tripping, ticky-tack, penalty-filled slog. Um, even Even if it's in the first period... And it it starts out that way. I just I want to see these two teams just go at it for a long stretch five on five, and I hope that's what we're gonna get, and hope that pace is set right away because I think these two teams are, um, have that ability to really hit the ground running, and that's definitely what I want to see. That would be great. Uh, the rub there is that this is an NCHC game. Uh, so that means that we get NCHT refs. So, and we're still, it's before Christmas here. So this is, we're not, we haven't entered the swallow the whistle period yet for the season. So this is the last gasp of that, I guess this week and next weekend too. So, I mean, the, the, the sane bet there, uh, is go, go, go for the over on the penalties, uh, whatever the line for the penalties is this weekend. It'll be the over. So we're going to have Minnesota Duluth four times when it's the swallow the whistle period. Yeah, it's I, I'm really looking forward. I mean, I always look forward to to North Dakota. I, I really dislike North Dakota. So if this is always one that I kind of look at as, you know, I hope we really step up, bring our A game. And, and, you know, if we can keep North Dakota here towards that bottom of the standings and not have them, you know, kind of shoot up because – you know, like I said, they're at seven points right now. You know, we're at eleven, but with six points every every series, things can change really quickly, especially especially early on. So, and you know, I'd like to keep them down in that seven eight position. Um, uh, so that's that that's hopefully what uh, what we're gonna get. They're kind of due for one of those. I mean, when they uh, you know, they did make the tournament. I think two years in a row. Or so I mean, we mentioned that 
uh, one of the last Fargo regionals, not the last one, but I think well, the 2019 one where St. Cloud was the one seed. Uh, I won't say anything more about how that turned out, but I think they missed the tournament those back-to-back years there. And, um, but I think they were still, I, I know they went to Denver in the first round series, but I think they may have hosted, they might've been fourth place in the other year. It's just one of those like sixth or seventh place years. They're long overdue for one of those. I think it, it would be nice. Um, I, I just don't have as much confidence that, you know, for them to finish seventh, that means that, you know, CC's got to play well and Omaha's got to jump them. I'm uh, not yeah. sure if I have the confidence in those teams, like playing North Dakota. I guess, you know, Omaha's already got a split under their belt against them, but mm-hmm. I just don't see CC say that a few times. I don't see CC beating North Dakota. I think that's a uh, Dr. Seuss rhyme. I think that I think that is. Okay. I think that that's in the. Uh, Did you see CC play over the C? CC. CC said senior. Okay, all right, that's that's all. That's my rap for today. <laughs> that's what we got right now. Um, keep uh, keep uh, keep plugged in to the Hussies Hockey <laughs> Podcast for the. The CC rap that'll be <laughs> dropping very soon on Apple Music and Spotify. That's right. So, uh, eighteen nineteen. It was yeah, Denver and North Dakota, and Denver uh, was four, and North Dakota was five. So they did go on the road there. What about seventeen eighteen? Yep. See, they they hosted Omaha that year, so f- must have been a. F- fourth place finish yeah that was the fourth place finish and so and omaha hasn't made a a conference tournament in right i don't know since bush i think actually was president i think that was the last time well we we checked on that because the ccha used to have three rounds of playoffs so they haven't made they haven't made a neutral site level of their conference tournament since 05 yeah. So yeah, that would have been Bush. North Dakota has not had a losing season. I mean, we mentioned two years in which they didn't make the uh, NCAA's, but haven't had a losing season since oh one oh two, and that was right on the heels of them, you know, winning two national titles and taking second place in the year pri- previous. The uh, the old 2000-2001 season where St. Claude beat him in the uh, uh, yeah that was five. the uh, that was the line of fire that was uh, yeah. Panzer Lumbaum yeah. and Beta which has and one so, of my favorite box scores it was just a random game against CC where North Dakota won four to one and all of the goal lines were Panzer from Lumbaum and Beta Beta from Panzer and Lumbaum. Lumbaum from Bader, Beta and Panzer. <laughs> like, just all four of them had the exact same, just kind of jumbled around. I'm like, oh, was that line good? I think that line was pretty good. My uh, <laughs> my buddy had dubbed the term Panzer Assist 
uh, anytime that Jeff Panzer had the puck and got knocked off of it, and then the puck accidentally went to Beta or Lumbalm, and they ended up scoring. <laughs> so that's a that's what I call a Panzer assist too. If you ever see me tweet, tweet about that, is anytime you get an accidental assist, uh, that's 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 the Jeff Panzer special. And as long as we're playing the greatest hits here, I mean that wouldn't have been too far away from the Jason Blake years the father of jackson blake who we just mentioned so that must have been a long time ago if we're talking father son connections here yeah he would have been on that 97 team that won the tournament or won the national title but uh i don't know why we're skimming through north dakota's uh past um don't need to do that uh let's stick to the present And hopefully these Huskies can kick the uh, snot out of them this weekend. Yep. There we go. Uh, Like you said, uh, North Dakota and uh, Bemidji uh, last weekend uh, was a uh, 3-3 tie um, before um, North Dakota was able to take care of business at home. It was a home-and-home series, just like Bemidji apparently likes to do. I guess I don't know the drive between the two, but I mean, there's no easy road to get between the two. And I I assume like, I suppose like this weekend, it would have been great since it was like in the fifties this weekend here in Minnesota. So, well, that's gotta be the shortest road trip for either one of them. I mean, makes a lot more sense for them to do home and home than St. Cloud and Bemidji doing a home and home would be, I think you just take us highway two. I think connects grand forks to Bemidji. I might be wrong about that, but, um, I don't think it's, it's certainly a better drive than St. Cloud to Bemidji, which that's for sure. no easy way to get between those cities. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're actually co-hosting the icebreaker next year. Icebreaker. That's right. Which I don't know why they're doing. They did that this year. They split it between Denver and air force. And now they're doing another split icebreaker next year between North Dakota and Bemidji. Don't really know why they can't just do that at one facility, but I suppose spread the love. Uh, sure, Bemidji's all fine with that. I think it's Wisconsin's in that. I don't know who the other team is, but uh, yeah, it's not that. It, it's like probably an hour between. So, like I said, you don't get the good opportunities for uh, you know home and homes in that in that region. But that one seems to be the natural uh, the natural rivalry between those two teams. Yeah, I think maybe that they want to get away from uh, neutral sites for teams that don't have somebody playing, um, you know, with uh, with attendance being uh, possibly as uh, as as bad as obviously it can be. Uh, Army is the other team um, in okay. that in that. that and what what you're telling me that a college hockey game in in uh, Tennessee is going to go off swimmingly, pun intended. Um. <laughs> Yeah, as we as we mentioned last week, neutral site plus college hockey is a bad uh, equation. Uh, it's, bad idea. You, you, it's, you come up with a negative number with that addition. You have to um, go across. You have to go across the pond uh, for for that apparently to work out. So yeah, I guess uh, that does make go... sense then, because yeah, none of those games will technically be no neutral site. They'll just the the one thing is you don't really have. I don't. I don't know if they had like a trophy presentation. And I also don't know, like I would imagine the the Friday games will be set in stone. 
But are they also going to set set the opponents for Saturday, or is that going to be based on who wins? No, games? I'm sure. I, I don't. They'll just flip. Well, no, they must be. It must just be flip flop because yeah, there's no just way that Bemidji yeah. can play North Dakota. So, yeah. well, yeah. So I don't. I don't know if they're going to present a trophy. <laughs> Not like the icebreaker was this. Uh, you know, clear out the trophy case. We won <laughs> the icebreaker kind of event, but. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm for it if if I'm now thinking of all the implications that you don't have an, a neutral site game and yeah. you just know the opponents ahead of time. I'm for it. Let's do Saint Cloud should do that with I don't know someone Mankato or someone Mankato. Well, I've always get thought free, they don't count to the forty the thirty four max either. So the, these are yeah. free games essentially. Like I think it would be a good idea to have like an NCHC CCHA showdown, um, where it could be something along those lines. Whereas you know, maybe not every year, but like have like some type of, you know, either let's just say, you know, Mankato and St. Cloud will host one year. Um, or, or maybe like Mankato and St. Thomas will host one year and then the two NCHC teams will play uh, the CC home rink and then swap. Um, and then the next year it will be at the NCH, you know, there's something along those lines that I think could, could, could do a, like some kind How of about this? rotating kind of fun, little travel rivalry type thing between the two conferences. I think that would be, a you could do something idea. with, how about this? You do something with the CCHA and CC CC versus the CCHA <laughs> over the C over the C that's, you could do. Uh, did you know that? Uh, I mean, the CCHA. Yeah, I, I don't know. Kind of been there, done that. How about getting something with like Hockey East? You could do something like you know the WCHA in the eighties used to do a. What do they call it? Like cross scheduling or something. They would have a set of games that the WCHA teams would play Hockey East games, Hockey East teams, like maybe six to eight games a year every team in the conference would play each other that many times but they those would count in conference standings really your yeah your hockey east games would actually count in the wcha standings which they did that for four or five years at least really i remember remember being pretty blown away when i read about that i think that's a good idea just don't don't make don't put conference points on the line but you know, like basketball does something like the Big Ten ACC Challenge. You could do something like that where you just, everyone in the conference plays everyone in the Hockey East or, you know, someone, obviously the, the numbers of teams don't perfectly match up, but you could do something like that where, like, each, like, a team will play, maybe you know, maybe they'll do a one week, one set weekend, but throughout the year, you just play one hockey East team and then just kind of add up the points between the conferences and have a dumb trophy to give away, you know, for breaking or for conference breaking rights or something like that. I think that I, I, I think we should, we should have more dumb trophies in college hockey. That's right. I, I, I don't agree. I mean, I know you said bed there, done that, but what other team, what other conference has eight teams in it right now? Well, not, not for long because <laughs> for long. they're getting Augustana next year. So yeah, that's true. Maybe so. it's just the NCHC needs to get get that ninth team. 
Maybe the tenth team too. Yeah, there else? we go. Maybe maybe Arizona State. Maybe uh, they'll they'll want to join a conference and and they can come here. How would how would you like that? I would love that. Yeah. Maybe get, sure. maybe get Arizona in it too. Like yeah. have them move up to D one. Like that. I mean the built in rivalry there with with Arizona State and them. It's just perfect. You get the frozen tortilla. Yeah, oh. like, I have the the trophy already. I don't in know. My mind. Ethically sensitive, but you know I'm I'm okay with it. Let's let's oh, let's God. go with it. It's, it's uh, you, when you're when you live here. You Are you gonna have La Cucaracha not. play in too? What do you? <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah. I've I you know Mexican food always was just kind of Mexican food. You never really realized how many how many ver- how much variation there is here. So here it's you yeah. don't go to Mexican restaurant. You go to a Sonoran restaurant. Um. The uh, there's even specific regionality uh, differences between between uh, you know Mexico's a giant country, so they got a yeah. lot of different a lot of different styles of cuisine. And there's a Sonoran restaurant right across the street from me. That's that's pretty good. So oh, nice. It's all like flour tortillas, no corn tortillas, because there's not like corn that's grown there very much. Yeah. Um. So it's it's good stuff, and I think people would people would like it. If I sure. saw, I mean, I, I was at that Arizona State game this weekend. I'm sure we can talk about that later. Oh, but that I there's definitely about that. Yeah. there's definitely uh, people interested in hockey in this state. So I so, think that it, it can be done. Yeah. So you were able to secure tickets to Arizona State, uh, Minnesota. You went to the Saturday game, right? Yes. So you picked a good one. I picked which the, I picked a good one. Which yep. maybe I'll go on my little bit of a side right now and just say like. So many people are upset about Big Ten ruining college hockey or et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. They're not in the same conference. They ruin the WCHA, et cetera, et cetera. Get over it. But, like, the big thing that I have is, like, the people who have lost interest because some of these rivalries and whatnot are gone and they're upset because not being able to find some games or not able to always find the games. They're on different streaming sites that pay X amount of dollars that you have. You have to go out and actively search. People don't have the willpower to be a fan of something that they were tangentially maybe a fan of before. Like this game again, you know, Minnesota and Arizona state, these are the types of games that can get people really involved back into college hockey and get eventually, I think, butts in the seats. Um, because that's exciting. That was exciting play. That was an exciting game. It was on Pac-12 Network. And that's the rub. That's the the downside in all of this is, like, you, you can't cut off. You're in this walled garden that it's so hard to find some of these games, and it's just so disappointing that – I had the weekend off. I would have loved to watch that game. And especially knowing what happened in that game, that would have been even more so I would have loved it. Um, instead, I was kind of stuck between, you know, Omaha and Denver, which was kind of meh. But So you're telling me that you just missed the days when you can flip on the TV and at 7 o'clock on MSC, <laughs> on MSC with, yeah, uh, with Frank Rizzato. and Doug, uh, you are miss- you're pining for those days of MSC. I'm I'm pining for having college hockey more readily available on a normal cable station. That's what I miss. Well, yeah, I don't. Obviously, I I agree with what you're saying. I mean, I'm trying to play devil's advocate um, or 
steel man the argument here of, well, Pac-12 Network rarely plays hockey, so maybe this is... Uh, this game is going into the television sets of people in California that haven't seen a game like this. And maybe it's growing the game a little bit. Again, I, I'm only half-heartedly endorsing that argument. Um, well, yeah, and I, I was confused. It, it's I mean, not going to hurt. It's the not Nashville, hurt. The Nashville debacle, even before the water main exploded on Main Street, um, that wasn't going to get... Uh, televised either, even if it was going to be at the Predators rink, which it was supposed to. Um, I, I don't, I, that feels like a, a blown opportunity there. Like, why isn't that game getting streamed in, in some capacity? I don't even think that you could pay 20 bucks for it. I just don't think the camera was in the building or yeah. prepared to film that game. So, blown opportunity there. At least I'm sure Pac 12 Network is in a few more homes than. <laughs> Obviously, the zero that would have gotten the Western Michigan Northeastern game. I'm uh, saddened that you wouldn't that you weren't able to watch the game because it was a hell of a game. Um, and did I, you, I was. Did you get a seat? Did you get standing room? Was it where? Yes, how, I'd did, been, how, I'd did, been, how did the tickets I, come about for you? Sure. Yeah, I, I'd been monitoring the uh, the ticket situation for a few months now, just kind of on and off. They sold out fairly quickly, the school's kind of allotment. So I was kind of looking on secondary markets, StubHub, SeatGeek, these kind of places. And it was 150 bucks to start, like, was what the tickets were. Uh, and But as, the, as this past week started, they, you could sense that it was dropping a little bit. So I was thinking, okay, well, maybe the day of... Someone's stuck with these six seats and they can't get rid of them, so they'll drop the price and maybe I'll scoop them up there. That was kind of my plan. But then I checked on Monday or Tuesday of last week and it looked like the school released some standing room only tickets for 40 bucks. I was I was ready to pay like 80 bucks for it. I would have paid $80 for a ticket because I wanted to see the arena um, and mm-hmm. it seemed like a, a nice matchup. Kind of wanted to sculpt the Gophers out a little bit. So I was willing to pay a premium. But when I saw the $40 tickets, and it was that was even through Ticketmaster, through Arizona State's uh, um, website, even with the fees, it was $45 bucks with, with all the fees and everything. So and Ticketmaster I thought I is just out there. not in any hot water at all right now. So Yeah, I don't know if this one was, was one of the <laughs> ones that... Uh, uh, I don't know if the, the rush to get Arizona State <laughs> hockey tickets was... Uh, was part of the what the Taylor Swift? Uh, yeah, I think that was the one that that kind of blamed that or shut all the servers down. Not sure if that was uh, affecting that at all, but so I I thought I I kind of lucked out and was able to get a a standing room ticket and a great a great seat. I sh- I sent you the the picture from where I was at. It's kind of right mm-hmm. in the corner. I wasn't really. You could have. There was basically standing room tickets across the entire rink. I didn't need to sit there or stand there, but uh, a guy uh, next to me who was pretty drunk uh, talked me up shortly after I got there. I I had a St. Cloud hat on and he recognized it and turns out he played at Shattuck and then he played D3 and uh, he played on the line with Ryan Malone. That's why he he sent the, he had the St. Cloud thing there and 
all the stuff that he told me, all the clues, he said he played with, like, Mike Eaves was his host family when he was at Chad, because he's, like, from Wyoming for some odd reason. Um, he played, like, there in the late 90s. All the clues that he gave me checked out, so I don't think this guy was BSing me. Um, and like I said, he was drunk. I mean, every ninth word or so, I couldn't quite understand. <laughs> but he was, wasn't as drunk enough that he, you couldn't keep on a conversation. And anyway, he, was, he ended up being my buddy for the game. Like we, At the end of the game, we were high-fiving Arizona State goals, and we were having a pretty good time, actually. And that, I think, uh, helped to... It helped the uh, the atmosphere, or, or at least the fan experience of that game, to have someone to cheer on and just kind of BS with throughout the game. So I enjoyed that part of it. I, after the game, after the game, I was thinking, I've been in person to a couple hundred college hockey games. Uh, I would put this one like in the top ten. I think. Nice. I, I would cert. I would certainly say it's probably the best game that's that I went to that St. Cloud wasn't involved in. I can't think of any other, you know, obviously the majority of those hockey games that I attended had St. Cloud in it, but there's been a, you know, a couple dozen uh, sort of neutral games that I, I didn't have a dog in the fight, pun intended. Uh, but this one, it just checked off so many of the boxes for me from a fan perspective. Atmosphere was electric. Um, the game was really good. A high-scoring affair. I like goals. There was one penalty called the entire game. Zero video reviews. The game had a fantastic pace. Game started at 7 o'clock. I checked my phone when I stepped out of the building. It was 9.15. The two oh, hours wow. and 15-minute game. And that was for 11 goals overtime. And an overtime game. I mean, this yeah. was, it ended in overtime. So add on a, some more, more time to that. So it just, and like that, especially the third period, which was the least scored, you know, there was only two goals in the third, but it seems like I, it was like 15 minutes to go. And then I blinked and it was five minutes to go. And it was just kind of constant action, very few icings even and offsides, that kind of stuff. Just a very good flow to the game. So those are kind of the, check all those things, those kind of, we're all present at this game, which I think is a reason why I enjoyed it so much. The, the rink itself is, is a knockout. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a great college facility. You can make fun of it that the Coyotes are playing there for a couple of years, which I, I think that's fair uh, to mock a, you know NHL team playing in a 5,000-seat arena, but I'll definitely want to go to an NHL game there just because you're very close. There's no bad seat no. in the house. Um, and you're going to be so close to and you know every level of hockey that you go up you know it's faster you can just appreciate the speed of the game more and and the skill level and so i i do definitely want to 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 catch a nhl game there uh sometime this year uh yeah like i said the the arena was fantastic the one sort of downside i would have is i mean it was basically just one level a full ring around one level of seating. There was some upper deck seating, but from the drunk guy that I was with, he was trying to explain, because he had been, he said he had been to like all of the Arizona state games so far and a couple of the coyotes games. So he, he's been to this facility several times already. Just lit. He lives right by it. So just was in walking distance. And he said, 
the upper deck, I think, is more, there's like a sweet area. Sweet level. And sure. I'm not even sure if I could have gone up there just with my standing room ticket. So did not check that part of it out. Um, but what I kind of like to do, the one downside I would have is, I, what I like to do, especially with the first time at arena, is kind of take a lap. Uh, just kind of see the sights and just go, you know, walk around the concourse once and just kind of see from all the angles how the sight lines are and all that kind of stuff, scoping out like concessions and and all that. And the one downside I would have is sort of the hoity-toity section of the first level, which is essentially like the first that first ro- or the first level between the blue lines behind the benches. Uh, those would have been like the priciest seats in the house. And those are the ones where he did see some pockets of empty seats because I'm guessing they're just kind of rich money bags who are just buying season tickets and not showing up. Um, or companies that maybe... Or companies, have, yeah, sponsor, have yeah, corporate and, yeah. seats. You could, but the, So the thing there was, I couldn't even make a full lap through the rink because not only could you not sit in that area, you couldn't even enter the concourse behind it because really? there was like usher, ushers on each end of it checking tickets just to get through that hallway between between those sections. So it's kind of like I just had to stop there and then kind of reverse and go the other way around instead of taking one full lap around. So a bit of classism that I didn't really care for, but still. In like, hockey? No. <laughs> well, I mean, they're getting away with it because they're basically sold out all the games and you know, obviously, yeah, if these true. money bags can't attend, they're at least dr- dumping the coin to uh, to buy the seat that's not going to be occupied during the game. So, so that was kind of the one dig I have. But like, just from the the uh, sight lines, like I said, every place that I sat is just perfect sight of the of the rink. Really, not a bad seat in the house, um, and yeah, concessions every everywhere you turn, essentially. Kind of a nice wide concourse too. It wasn't sort of any bottleneck areas, kind of like when you're going behind the net at the National Hockey Center. Uh, uh, you don't hit any of those sort of bottlenecks. Um, so it was fantastic. I I can't say enough uh, as far as that is a great rink, and it should serve them very well. I I think. And like I said, the the game, like we're talking about, like when I went to Denver and took a friend there for his first hockey game. This would have been the ideal first hockey sure. game for someone in person because, like I said, lots of action, lots of goals, very few stoppages, um, just an ideal sort of. And like I said, the fans were there. So I, I and I guess the Friday game, they they had their band there on Saturday, um, so that took up one of their sections in the student section, and the student section was packed. That was, there's was no empty seats there, and they were kind of all standing throughout the game. I was on the opposite end of that, so far away from it, but you could definitely tell that they had a presence there. But I guess on Friday, they, their, their band was not there because they were actually in Tucson at the uh, Arizona, Arizona State football game, the Territorial Cup, mm. uh, which, go Wildcats, bear down, they won. Uh, <laughs> so the, the Arizona State band was not there at the Friday night game for the the hockey do you, team. Do you bear down and fork up? Is that is, is that uh... bear? Yeah, bear down is definitely the Tucson uh, motto. Uh, I'm not sure why. 
I mean, they're the Wildcats. Uh, I don't really know why, but you see bear die. It's like Sky Yuma with the Gophers. It's like you see it everywhere. It's like like the entire side of their uh, football stadium has bear down on it. Like it's like a big thing. So, but I'm Forks Up might be the that is that the Arizona State that might be. I, I, I think so. See it. I think so. Um, I can't say that for sure or not, but. Uh, uh, and that was the other thing, too. It was, it was in a really nice area as far as it was right downtown Tempe. So there was bars and restaurants, and it was right on campus, too. So it was kind of all in this area, uh, walking distance to lots of different eating options. Big difference from when I went to the, their game last year when they were still in Oceanside, uh, which is nowhere near an ocean. Um and nowhere really near a restaurant or anything either. It was, it was not on campus, a couple miles away from campus, and sort of in a middle-of-nowhere spot. There really wasn't much to speak of as far as an area, like an arena surrounding area. This was definitely, like, it, had, it checked those boxes, too, from a facility standpoint. Sure. Like, good area for that kind of stuff. So, now, yeah, it was, it was if great. You were, if you were to say that... Like, if you're watching Vikings football and they got a game down in Arizona, you know, I would say it's 60% Vikings fans. There's a lot more purple in the stands than than red. Um, For for this, were there a lot of maroon and gold there, or was it just... Well, there's a lot of maroon and gold, um, because those are Arizona State colors. I suppose, Um, yes, that's... Uh, no, there was a decent gopher contingent. Um, I would say the majority of them were kind of sitting in the sections that I was close to because, like I said, I was in the opposite end of the Arizona State uh, student section. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like lining the the uh, behind their attacking net twice. You know what I'm talking about? Sure. So I was on the opposite side of that, which would have been sort of the t- the, the area where the gophers attacked twice. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of where maybe their de facto traveling you know, visiting team section is. I was probably surprised not to see more of them actually, because I, yeah, I, I can't say really about the NFL, but I know when the wild would play the coyotes down there, when they were still in Glendale, when they would play, basically when they would play all visiting teams, I remember like the Blackhawks <laughs> when they would play it in Glendale, it was like 75% away fans and and wild fans i think would outnumber coyote fans when, when they would play there too so i was almost expecting to see more gopher fans than i saw i would just assume that the reason that they weren't there is because the place has kind of been sold out from day since sure. day one of this season from from the arizona state community so not as easy to get a ticket if you're like a snowbird or someone that lives down here uh, had to jump through a couple of more hoops uh, than you would have in years past to see a, a, a wild game in, in Glendale, for instance. So, so yeah, there was a decent amount, but, uh, but it was, they were definitely outnumbered by, uh, by Arizona state fans and, and they were treated to a nice, uh, nice overtime win. Very, very thrilling. So, so you think uh, Arizona state hockey is going to work? It's going to work out. Oh yeah. I mean, now that they have the facility, if if they didn't have the facility, then we'd still be talking like, uh, you know, an Anchorage or 
you know, uh, Long Island or, you know, you know, if Alabama Huntsville comes back like a team, it would be different than that because they are Arizona state. And it's just a, a huge university. They have much more, uh, you know, stability as a, as a college, but now that they have this dedicated facility and it's, it's only going to get better because the coyotes are building a, like a separate annex as like a locker room that the NHL is kind of requiring them to build in order for them to be for that facility to be viable for the, for it, for the NHL, just for the temporary couple of years that they're going to be there. Arizona state's going to just inherit that once the coyotes leave bullet. Um, so that's going to be huge. There's always going to be kids that are going to want to play there. I think, um, I think they're going to be a team, as we saw this year, a bunch of players. I mean, the guy that scored the game winner for him, this Master Simone from BU, their goalie, they had a couple of, they had like three guys from Northeastern that, that transferred down there. So I think they're, they're going to be a, I think they're going to be an active transfer portal team going forward. And I think there's always going to be interest for, from players to go there just because of the fact that they're one of the, one of the few, if, if not the only true like tropical climate uh, location in college hockey, and you know, and and it's a huge college and fifty thousand students and all that, it's like a party school. Like you can, that that part I think is going to be appealing from a recruiting standpoint. And if they, I mean, they're not they're not terrible. Like I said, they've made the tournament a couple of times and. I mean, they're in the 20s right now in pairwise, and so it's kind of on the outside looking in uh, this year to make it. But I certainly think that the last step they need is to get into a conference, which now that they have the facility, you'd think shouldn't be that much harder for them to find a place. Yeah. And once that happens, then uh, I think they're here for good. Um, and, and not only that, but but they're secure as a program in a way that a lot of other schools aren't. Um, so I, I do think that they're going to be in it for the long haul. And, and I think they're going to be a, a competitive team for the long haul. I, I don't think this is going to be a bottom dweller wherever they, wherever they end up. I think this is a, a program, especially with this facility that, that will do a lot of good for them from a recruiting standpoint. If you build it, they will come. I think they, they, they've built it, so I think they'll come, and I think that their success will come too. So you seem more, you seem more skeptical than I do. Oh, no, not at all. Um, it's, I'm just uh, more curious on where, in the end, where they're going to end up. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know, you hear talk about, you know, and obviously all of it's just rumors, and even the rumors that I hear at least are very what if, more like just random people pie in the skies. Like, what if they join the NCHC? What if they join the Big Ten? You know, what if they join the CCHA? You know, so it's, you know, obviously I've got my, you know, some maybe more than others, but it's, yeah, I, I, I do think that, yeah, it, they've got a lot of positives to go there and um, it's they're growing the program the right way. That facility, um, you know, obviously if they're packing it with the the fans and, you know, 
about Arizona and a lot of people from Ari- or that live in Arizona now are from colder climates. So it's, it was, it was, it was kind of the, you know, it, I had a buddy who lived down in Arizona, um, in, in the, uh, in the Phoenix area. And he said, you know, just, it was incredibly tough to get to the games like out in Glendale or like, you know, for traffic or, you know, for, for whatever reasons. And yeah, most of the, your, your fans of hockey are going to be actually fans of other teams because of the transplants. Um, but I think college hockey may be, you know, a little more niche because you might be from a, uh, an area where maybe that can be your team that you can really support and and whatnot. So yeah, no, I'm I I love the I I love the idea, and I think they do are going to have a good leg up on recruiting some of the talent too, because it seems like it's going to be a beautiful place to to play. And winners in Arizona don't sound terrible. Yeah, yeah, and drunk guy who was next to me was filling me in about the youth hockey scene uh, in that area. Cause it's, there's like literally no youth hockey that I am familiar with here in Tucson, but there, I mean, his kids, I think he said he's 15 or 16 and he's thinking, you know, USHL has got a, he's got a possibility to, to play juniors. And so kind of telling me about, you know, each of these suburbs, you know, Phoenix has a couple of rinks and then Glen, or, uh, Glendale, Scottsdale, Chandler, uh, Tempe, they all have their kind of community rinks that they've been building some youth hockey around. And, you know, look at guys like Austin Matthews, obviously put, put, uh, you know, Arizona hockey on the map from youth hockey on the map from that perspective. So that's certainly building and getting better. And um, so I think the culture is is getting instilled there, a a hockey culture. It's not statewide yet, because I said it hasn't really reached here, but when Tucson is getting it, they're getting a rink built It'll be for the club team, but it's also going to be a community to rank too. There is like where the AHL team plays basically this, the convention center here. There is some like open skating there, but it's not a true community rink. When, when that gets built, I hope that, I mean, I love, I would love it if U of A uh, goes D one um, elevates their club team like Arizona state did. But, but just from the fact of maybe getting a youth program, established here it would be a big deal too so it takes time to do that and this isn't an area where you know hockey is has a long history but it seems to be uh you know ascending and it it seems to be kind of becoming established there and i think this this rink here you know the, the mullet uh is uh you know it's another big step in that development so it's interesting as an uh, as a Minnesotan and coming from somewhere where hockey was was so ingrained, coming to a place where it's just kind of in its infancy. It is interesting to to see how it develops. But as from what I can gather at this uh, uh, in this one game sample size, uh, I like what I'm seeing, and I I wish them the best. You know, I, I wish that, like I said, that more teams in these sort of non traditional hockey markets spring up. You know. We can we can celebrate the Stone Hills and the Long Islands and you know Anchorage coming back and that's all true. But getting a team and a college like Arizona State, um, it, I think is is huge. Um, 
getting some of these big name schools. I was actually listening to or was watching the the Wild play the Coyotes on Sunday, and there it was a national broadcast. They actually brought up the Long Island win over Ohio State. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, <laughs> the Ostchopol fallout from that, but they were kind of doing like a college God. hockey uh, college hockey recap, and they even brought up like University of Florida club hockey uh, because they saw like their jerseys or something and they were pretty cool I guess uh, and I think North Carolina maybe they played their club team and it's just like or you know even Liberty which is a team that is playing their club games on ESPN plus I don't know how that has been working but I've tuned in a few times and they're the rink they have is at least it's pretty full it's fuller than the Long Island uh, rink when they play there there's like five people in the stands for those games but the Liberty games, and they were somewhere in Virginia. It's like those those games at least are, are somewhat well attended. And it's just like yeah, getting like a big bigger name school, like like those, especially those like in the southeast, like when you don't have another team in that area, that would be that would really be big because then you have you can bring the name of like a University of Florida. You can use that as some sort of like it's an automatic kind of credibility that you get that you don't get from like when Stonehill goes D one, no, no shade thrown at Stonehill, but it's just like, that's not, I, when that was announced, I had to look up where Stonehill was. Yeah. Cause it sounds like a rock pile. Cause that's what it sounds like. doesn't sound like a college. Um, so when you're thinking about, you know, growing the game, that would be the real ideal. It's just, it takes money, mm-hmm. it takes you know, buildings and rinks to be built. It takes, you know, years of 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 legwork to get done. So it's very much easier said than done. But here's hoping that ten years from now we can point to you know University of Oregon has a team or you know Florida or you know some of the other these kind of schools all across the country in the pockets of the country where there is no D1 presence now. That would be great. Maybe it's just a dream, but a guy can dream. Mm-hmm. So looking at some of the other uh, games throughout uh, this uh, this last weekend, like you said, Long Island beating Ohio State, which has become Ohio State was the darling of the Big Ten. Is whoa, that's a team that could really sneak up and 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 they get uh... <laughs> yeah, it, it was you know it's like okay, okay, Ohio State, you can go sit in a corner now. Stick to football, buddy. <laughs> it's kind of how I interpret all of. Well, don't don't poke the bear there either, because their football team didn't do so hot this week. Ah, that's also true. Yeah, they also so. Um, like I said, I watched a little bit of Omaha and Denver. Um, you know, kind of an interesting situation came up during the game. Um, I watched a little more on, on on Saturday, but it we had like a twenty some minute review in that game, and what happened is that. Omaha got called for a contact to the head penalty. And they said they were going to review it for the possibility of a five minute. So, so they go ahead. They're sitting there. They review it. They're looking at it. The announcers are looking at it. All right. It's a penalty, five minutes, contact to the head. They go over, skate over to Omaha's bench, talk to Gabinet, and he. 
expresses that he would like to actually challenge that there should have been a contact to the head penalty earlier in the play. So, um, the announcer says, or the ref says something, but we couldn't hear it because of the broadcast. So the announcers were still trying to dissect to see if the play was being challenged by Omaha that it shouldn't have been the play that they just reviewed. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't think that's what's going on here because obviously they just reviewed it. Well, it turns out that they were challenging earlier in the play, which is about 20 seconds earlier that there should have been contact to the head on a different play. Now, both of those were not nearly as bad as both of brands contact to the heads that weren't called. I thought both of these were kind of ticky tacky calls. So, but at anyway, I'm trying to find a good video and I couldn't really find a good video because the production crew didn't know exactly what they were reviewing. But it, so basically they went in and they said, Oh, yep. That Sean Barron's five minutes for contact to the head. So, what Gabinet did was use his challenge to challenge for contact to the head to essentially negate Cameron Berg's contact to the head. And I think that is easily worth a timeout to try to negate a five minute. So if you're on the bench, you could just say to anyone who was on the ice, okay, we might get a contact to the head penalty while they're, you know, being reviewed. Did anybody get touched in the head over the last, you know, two shifts or, you know, even how far back you can review it because it's definitely worth the time out to, to, to go ahead and challenge it. If you still have that time out in your pocket. So, and that happened a little bit earlier. Well, you should be doing that at, at any point in the game then. I mean, why does it have to wait until one of your guys is in a review for possibly getting a five in a major, any shift, a guy that comes off the ice says, Hey, I got hit in the head should let the coaching staff know and they can maybe challenge it if they want. I just, I don't, I, I, yeah, I hate this story. I, uh, the 20 minute review. I mean, I was mentioning the Arizona state game about no reviews Mm -hmm. and just went so quick. I'm sure there was things that they could have, there were definitely were penalties. They could have called. I'm not sure about any sort of five minute major potential penalties, but I, yeah, I, I hate going and stopping the game for back to back reviews and, and obviously, I'm not saying guys should hit, be able to hit other guys in the head, but I think it's gone a little far here as far as, yeah, we want to keep the players safe, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know. I, I In baseball and stuff, I, I'm anti-review. I, don't, I think they should get rid of reviews. And that's a weird stance, I think, for a lot of people to hear. But I just think that it, it screws with the rhythm of the game and... I would be for no reviews, period, except the fact that there's going to be missed calls. Because let's say, well, let's face it, too, even with the review process, we have missed calls. Uh, and I would be more comfortable with maybe some discipline after the game. Like, you can do a review as a, as a league following a game, and if, if you see that there was a missed sort of head hit, you know, you can make a suspension after the fact. Um Maybe that's not fair because you're not getting the power play during the during the actual game. But no, this this current system we have is certainly not foolproof. Yeah. And what it does is that it it, it tends to gum games down to a halt, 
And I don't think that the benefit of that is worth sort of the 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 safety of the game because again we're we're calling more of these head hits than we ever have before so it can't we can't be like really the players aren't playing safer hockey because we're we're finding head hits to call so that's the 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 system that we have is not decentivizing head hits to the extent that you think that it would make the game safer so i don't think that we're i don't think we're achieving really any goal here other than stopping the game for 20 minutes while we look at a video camera yeah. uh, for, for refs to do that at least. So I'm just like, uh, yeah, make the call on the ice. If it was that egregious, make the call. Uh, you don't make a, make a five minute major call without having to go to the review. When's the last time we've seen that where they make a five minute major without having to review it first. That used to be the standard. I mean, 10 years ago, you never, we didn't have any of these reviews for five minute majors. So it's like, let's, the the refs can do that. We don't have to go to the review. We don't have to go to the video camera every single time that there is a major penalty uh, at stake. It's just, I just, I don't know. I just, I just feel that they're like, the refs are put in a bad position because now they have to go back and look, okay, was there contact to the head in this play? And it's like, you know, depending on what type of contact it was, I mean, if it was a little nudge across the cheek or something along those lines, it's like, well, it was contact to the head. That's a five-minute penalty. I mean, that and how the rule book is, that's something that they're going to have to call. And then and then that just makes everyone upset in, in the long run. So I don't, I don't know what the system is. I don't know. I don't have a solution, but it's just I'm – I'm I'm going to see if there's going to be more instances of going back to review contact to the head because like I said it happened in this game and it happened in uh, a couple weeks ago when North Dakota and Omaha played where Brad Berry actually did it to Omaha where it was a scrum and there was contact to the head. And I was like, well, there's, there's contact to the head in any scrum that you can go. It's like, why not challenge that? And like I said, it's definitely worth a timeout in my opinion to try to get a five minute major. If you have a timeout to burn, as we've said, yes, and even think I, I, I would think that that's not like a cut and dry. Okay, we can risk the timeout here. Um, I, I think you got to take it from a case by case basis. I, I don't think I that, don't know. I think timeouts are use your timeouts. Yeah, but you can use that timeout for you know if 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 it's a potential goal situation rather than the five minute. We've been through that where it's it's tough to have to to challenge something to tell a ref go back and call something that you missed. It's tough for them to do that. And I guess I don't know the, the yeah, rule and, and Brad enough. Larson's not good at that. Brad Larson's like right. oh for two I think on challenges. So yeah. I don't know the rule good enough to know like if a glove hits a head hits the back of a helmet. Is that a contact of the head worth a five minute major? I, I don't I don't know if that rule is so cut and dry. I, I'm not uh, expert enough on, on that rule to, to know for sure whether yeah. or not whether or not the rule book, how the rule book has it, that it would be smart to say if your player comes back to the bench and says, hey, guy hit me in the head. Uh, if you should automatically challenge it, I, I don't know, but I'll de- I'll defer to your knowledge if if that's what if you're thinking that there is a potential here to to game the system, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. Well, I mean, they definitely did it in this uh, um, in this series. So, um, yeah, and I think I actually just said Brad Larson 
So that was uh, I don't I don't know where that came from. Obviously, it's Brett. just your resonator was a little high. I I, ah, heard, Bre- I heard Brett. Ah, okay, good. That's the thing is like maybe I should even call it out. Maybe I should just uh, let this one go. And but. I think isn't Brad Larson an NHL coach? I think he coached the uh, Blue Jackets. I'm gonna say. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you are. I mean you're in you're in the hockey realm. You're in the hockey oh, coach realm, even. Is it Brad Larson? Uh, he's the Columbus Blue Jackets head coach. Yeah. Then is that what I just said? Yeah. Or maybe I said blues. I don't know. But oh, um, yeah, it doesn't matter. Your resonator was a little bit. Uh, That's right. Bit off. There we go. That's right. So. That's right. Who was the Lar- there was a Larson that played for St. Cloud State, right? Now I'm trying to go back. Now I'm trying to think. It feels like there was. There may be someone that with a very similar name. I mean, Lauridson. Yeah, I, I definitely remember. I mean, maybe I'm just thinking of Brett Larson. So maybe I'm you just going in circles right now. Uh, who knows? So, um, yeah. So anyway, I watched a little bit of that Omaha-Denver series. Um, Omaha looked actually eh, maybe a combination of Omaha looking good and Denver not looking that sharp on Friday. Um, but that definitely um, been a bit of a turkey hangover, I think, for, for yeah. Denver. But it uh, definitely did write itself um, there on Saturday. So, But um, good. Yeah, good win for for Omaha. I mean, they were kind of seen as as uh as a bit of a a team that was going to struggle this year, and then getting off the the you know starting the season with that sweep to the hands of Niagara did not seem to quell any of the fears of those teams selling low on this uh, on Omaha. But you know, splitting versus Duluth, split against North Dakota. Again, who knows how good those teams are? But uh, and now a split against Denver is sort of their perennial uh, white whale. A uh, team that they can never yeah. beat, especially in Denver. But three nothing shutout. You know, we're thinking about how is this team going to give up, or how is this team going to make saves this year? Because their goaltending situation was even more up in the air than St. Clouds was. But getting a, a road shutout of Denver and, and a Denver team that was healthy, as far as I can tell. I mean, with yep. the parts that I watched, yeah. you still had that Rizzo, Mazer, uh, Dornback line. Um, being able to, to throw a shutout against that team on their home ice was uh, is, is an impressive feat. So, yeah, I don't expect them to be a top half of the conference team, but you know they're they're not they're not uh, you know incompetent in the same sense that I think Miami has shown them to be so far too. So, yeah, some props to uh, to Omaha There's, for a good good win. Yeah, like somebody on this podcast who picked them to finish last in the. Uh... The NCHC. Yes, and and I was the optimist uh, who had them at sixth. So <laughs> I'm not looking too bad because I believe I had I had Miami in last, and that's looking like a pretty decent bet right now. So, uh, but yeah, my uh, we both had Duluth and North Dakota a little too high, but we we still got plenty of plenty of season left here to see yeah, how exactly. how wrong we we will end up to be. Um, any, uh, uh, 
anything else about the uh, the weekend at hand that kind of caught your attention? Um, you know, with that Long Island win over Ohio State, uh, they did get that one vote in the uh, Uscho poll. Uh, a a new what, low. Three and nine. <laughs> it's just 51 it's like, in pairwise right now. It's like, what's the, uh, you know, there's like the best of next door or the best of Reddit or something like that. There's, there's got to be like a best of us Cho poll. And this is, oh, that's, this that's be our number. That's one. where this is right now. That that's, yeah. that's this place. This podcast is, is the corner of, I literally laughed out loud when I saw the LIU getting the vote for, for that. Um, Again, is that is that the Ohio State writer who's doing that? Um, I think it's sure the Brown voter. Is a the long Brown end. voter, well, and that was the thing. Like, so Brown, a big win in over their crosstown yeah. rival in with Providence. That's following up on a three nothing shutout of Holy Cross the night before. So a a sweep of the weekend for the Bears. And they're sitting uh, ahead of Long Island in the vaunted pairwise, in in the vaunted post-Thanksgiving pairwise, mind you, and getting shut out in the Ustro poll. I I call foul on that. We need (laughs) the return of the Brown voter. Yep. Uh, Garrett Larson, 01-04 for St. Cloud State. There you go. Boom. Have, so there we go. You would have been around in your, in your first year there, so. Yep, exactly. Yeah. It's your subconscious coming back 20, to help you out. Yeah, 23 goal, uh, th- twenty-three games played, 13 points, 9 goals, 4 assists. There and then go. went to play for, uh, the, uh, the next year at, uh, University of Wisconsin River Falls. So... That's how the mighty have fallen. So that means I missed out on him on my first year there. You missed out. Well, that makes missed sense. Out. Why I was like, God, it sounds familiar from Park River, North Dakota. Someone should should notify him and his family that he got he got a mention <laughs> on on this award winning podcast. <laughs> this award. <laughs> yep, exactly. It so. would make his day. It would be. I mean, maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it'd be like, uh, I don't want to remember that time of my life. <laughs> I most want to be remembered from my River Falls days. Could be. <laughs> so. um, you know, uh, weekend ahead, um, you know, obviously North Dakota St. Cloud, that's the marquee matchup. Um, Colorado College at Minnesota Duluth, Western Michigan at Omaha. Obviously, there's implications there, but let's face it, North Dakota St. Cloud State, that's kind of It's weird uh, that... CC and Duluth are playing because they they already Again. played out in the springs. Yeah. It's rare that that you get two series before Christmas with two teams. Yeah, we mentioned about St. Cloud and Duluth typically getting two series post Christmas in the NCHC era, but generally you don't finish up with two series against a team before Christmas. That's kind of a scheduling quirk. I was I was I had to double check to make sure the CHN yeah. app wasn't lying when I saw that, but that, that seems to you be never the case. Know. You never know. That's true. Exactly. Um, you know, as far as other games I might kind of keep my eye on, you know, Minnesota at Michigan State, you know, some people are kind of uh, pumping up Michigan State a little bit. Uh, so that uh, I might have my eye on. Uh, Arizona State at Denver. Um, 
you know, Minnesota or Arizona State had a little bit of a rocky um, uh, past couple of games right before the big win against um, Minnesota, which again, overtime win. So I guess a little bit of an asterisk there uh, goes into that. But um, seeing how they kind of compete with Denver um, is going to be interesting. And obviously, the big marquee matchup, uh, the Tuesday night Connecticut at Miramac. A uh, little bit of a luster is uh, waned from that since uh, Connecticut lost, but not just lost, but six uh, rip. Got, yeah, six rip to Cornell, to Cornell. teams, right? <laughs> so, uh, but uh, that might be interesting. Obviously, Boston College against Brown. So, if our Brown voter can kind of get back in the swing of things, maybe they're watching that game. Yeah, maybe a win against so. BC will finally. Make them see things clearly again. Uh, um, kind of a rare conference. Um, I mean, I guess they did win in the shootout, but uh, Michigan Tech last weekend uh, beat and then lost in a shootout to uh, Minnesota State. Uh, so kind of a rare, little bit of a stumble. You know, I guess it's kind of weird saying a two-point weekend is a stumble, but. It definitely, um, for the Mavericks in that conference, has been, uh, you know, they have been dominant. So to see them kind of look a little bit rocky against Michigan Tech is is yeah, interesting. I, so they got a nice little rebound weekend against Ferris State. So I assume they're going to take care of business there. And Michigan Tech uh, hopped them in pairwise. So they're at 15, the highest CCHA team in, in the pairwise right now. Uh, Mankato down to 18. Um, Honestly, we, I haven't even looked at the pairwise. I don't even know what. Well, now I can look at it. Penn State. Penn, yeah, Penn State. Yeah, Denver uh, got knocked off after that loss to uh, sure Omaha. Enough, yeah. Michigan State up to six. Miramac uh, dropped sure to eight. Gonna... Yeah. Harvard and Michigan. We mentioned that series yeah, that they had. Um, win and a tie uh, for Michigan. Four to one win on Saturday, and then a four four tie the night before. So they're kind of sitting right there at nine ten. It's Harvard's first loss of the year. Um, we saw that uh, friendship four in Belfast, which I saw in show They're trying to market that as the Bell Pot, like uh, spinning off the Bean Pot. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on the limb and say that doesn't catch on to the extent that the mm. Bean Pot did. Um, but well, I didn't uh, know that the uh, the frozen apple was the uh, <laughs> is that what, what they're calling the, the MSG game? The, no, the uh, Cornell. Uh, yeah, the Madison Square Man. Garden. Yeah, or uh, oh, yeah. Cornell UConn. Yeah, that uh, Madison Square Garden game. I keep they gotta, messing up. I keep messing up Connecticut and Miramac just because they're two kind of right. Well, and they're playing and they're playing each other this week, which you've yeah. been you've so, been so when I said Miramac. When I said Miramac dropped in the pairwise, no, they relatively stay the same. It was Connecticut who was three last week in the pairwise, and then they dropped now all the way to eleventh. So that's why it's like that's why I don't like to look at the pairwise this early, but I, I have to now for the clicks and for the yep. listens and for the downloads. Yep. And so, you but are correct. But that's uh, I mean, that's quite a drop there for 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 Connecticut, and that's you know for. I'll, you know, a team a lot of people were saying is, oh, well, they're, 
you know, solidly, you know, they're, they're that high. And usually when you're that high at this point in the season, you're going to get in, but you can see how quickly still things can kind of change. They're calling that. I just, I just love Michigan at 10 too, just for how much my Twitter, at least the, the big publications love to really pump their tires. They're just sitting there at a, at a solid three seed. Yeah. Yeah. It's still as early and still plenty of movement to go, but, uh, be interesting how it shakes out. If they're calling that MSG game, the frozen apple, what are we going to call the, uh, the Nashville, uh, like when the levee breaks, um, flood the zone, um, the liquid, liquidation um everyone so is that gonna be i'll give you this is that gonna be the only college game ever college hockey game ever played in the city of bellevue tennessee because that's where they had that's where they ended up moving it and from the pictures that i saw in the because it's like the nashville uh predators uh training facility um but it looked like they didn't really have stands there. Um, the CHN box score listed a thousand and change in the attendance number. I mean, I'm glad that they, when I, when I read the news that the predators called off as it turned out two games this weekend mm-hmm. for that water main break, I was kind of assuming, yeah, they're, they're not going to be able to get that college game in, which is quite the shame. I mean, I'm sure you had some fans. I mean, not a ton because there was only a thousand that showed up, but I'm sure you had you know a couple fans that hopped on a plane to get there. Obviously, the teams themselves did. So it'd be kind of a shame if they went all that way and sacrificed the Thanksgiving holiday to boot to then get rained out essentially based <laughs> on a. Uh, busted water main. Um, I wonder if someone got fired there in, in, in like the city of Nashville like administration. Um, I'm wondering if someone is, uh, is the scapegoat for that water main break. Uh, Cause I'm sure the predators aren't happy and I'm sure yeah. whoever, I don't organized... know. Water means break. It happens. It does. Probably just to chalk it up to an act of God. That's right, but I didn't think I, I don't think anyone thought that they were going to play that game in in some Nashville suburb at a practice oh, facility. Uh, decent win for for Western, you know. Northeastern's not that bad, and and Western Michigan gets gets a decent win, scoring five goals plus an empty netter on on Levi. Uh, uh, no no feet to sneeze at, so. I'm yeah, just, uh, I'm just, I'm just surprised that that water main didn't break at a frozen four, with all of the weirdness that college hockey has seen with frozen fours at times. Like you well, had the one what in the eighties with the, it was all foggy, right? Or, or what was it? Yeah. Cincinnati or whatnot? Well, was c- one Cincinnati the, was the one where the ice was melting. the ice was melting, like there were puddles everywhere. You had Ford Field, which was yep. just an overall disaster. I think Anaheim, Anaheim too. I think was like a, a melting, like bad ice situation as well. That was like late nineties. Yeah, there's been some. Don't uh, 
uh, you might you know don't don't jinx us i guess because that's <laughs> certainly on the bingo card um and one that college hockey oh. is fortunate not to have had already i would say at least on that big stage of the tournament. Um, I mean, Fargo and St. Cloud played in in a puddle against AIC. Yeah, yeah, they did. <laughs> so, yeah. They but, still should have beat them by five. I don't care if they're I playing mean, in a pool. Yeah, but. it's... We definitely, yeah. There's, but, again, we can... That's... We don't. We don't need to. Pick, we don't need to pick a scab. <laughs> that was Brad. That was Brad Larson, dude. We can't blame Bobby for that one. Actually, AIC was. That was Larson. Air Force. Oh God, yeah, you're right. Air, Air Force. Force was, was the one where where Motsko, the head coach of the Golden Gophers, was coaching the Huskies. Yes, that game. exactly. The the mentally head coach of the the Golden Gophers. Which, again, another game you should have won by three. Didn't matter if you yeah. didn't have any coach. But uh, don't you, do you... Is it a good thing or a bad thing that we didn't have the show back then? Those would have been either... The AIC? I, I, I could have even... <laughs> I would maybe showed up to those like my uh, drunk friend at the uh, Arizona State game. Uh, <laughs> would, have been, uh, would have been crying in the beer for those or probably been just very upset because i was very upset but um we don't i don't know to rehash honestly after that aic i was just like i mean i guess i can go back in my tweets and look but i was just like of course like why wouldn't it happen like this like it was it was at that point it was like I missed Nothing about can a, go right for me. I missed about a period of it. I uh, like midway through the second period, I went for a walk, um, and I came back around ten minutes to go in the third. Uh, didn't miss anything, as it turned out. Um, and uh, yeah, I just couldn't watch it. It was it was a nightmare unfolding, and I kind of saw it coming too. So it was. I was not a happy camper that day, uh, but. Uh, but those days are long behind us, and we're 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 pointing towards the future here. We're we're not uh, we're not dwelling on the past. Yeah, exactly. We got we got a good squad here. We do. So we got uh, incredible defense, and that's uh, I hope we really suffocate North Dakota in uh, two strong strong games this weekend. So. You got it. Uh, put a bow on it. Anything? Uh, anything more? You know, I think we've covered it. It was, it was another think... another good episode. No, we didn't recap anything, but we're still, you know, hour forty. <laughs> we're so. Still an hour forty. We can. We're, we're hitting uh, that let's... number pretty good. Yeah, exactly. So, well, well, I mean, hey, down from two hours. So really, we're we're shaving off a good chunk of these podcasts, guys. So maybe maybe. Maybe if I get uh, better at actually forming my thoughts in a complete sentence, uh, you know, or I guess it could take more time editing these podcasts, but (laughs) nah. What what does that mean? That's fine. Well, well, you made it this far. Just know we love you. Um, Reach out to me if you did at more clappers, M-O-E-R clappers. Uh, You can reach out to Andrew at our uh, official email address, which is. That is Huskies hockey podcast at gmail.com. Send me an Very email. Fancy. So, 
Perfect. Sounds good. Um, no questions, which isn't really um, odd. Odd, considering that we didn't have a game last weekend. Um, but I did see a news uh, story that came across my uh, uh, Twitter feed here just now uh, that WJON tweeted out. And it's a North Dakota man charged after incident with St. Cloud police. So already it starts. (laughs) (laughs) You had me Uh, kind of heart palpitations there. I was thinking you had some actual big news there, but no, it's just North Dakota man. North Dakota guy got arrested in in trouble. It's North Dakota weekend. North Dakota man is definitely the uh, upper Midwest version of Florida man. Version of Florida man. Yep, exactly. There should be like oh. a, a Ma- March Madness, like uh, which state has the best man, like the North Dakota man, like Florida man would be in the final four for sure. But uh, yeah, I think North Dakota well, man there, could, there, North Dakota man could, could make a run. You know, he'd be like a there, 13 seed, but he'd, he'd make a nice run. There's just so many to choose. Like, how do you choose from Florida man? That's the thing. It's just, maybe they There's get their own, why. they get their own region. Like they get the, pan, the yeah. Panhandle Florida man versus uh, Miami Florida man versus Orlando. There's a yeah, lot Everett of difference. <laughs> they, they get their own their own uh, bracket. Well, that about does it. Thank you so much again, everybody, for listening. And until next time, go Huskies! Woo!